the most beautiful place in the world, where a Tar Heel blue sky blankets Murphy on its way to the Tennessee border. It's a long way from Raleigh and the Outer Banks, but we're living in Carolina too. In fact, you might call it Extreme Carolina. With more, here's Michael Borkman. Well, folks, once, once again, Extreme Carolina is, is happy to welcome this wonderful, wonderful person that is a uplifting, powerful, penetrating, wonderful lady that has done great things with her life. As we do on Extreme Carolina, we invite those types of people that are doing great things. So with that said, we are so happy to have with us this morning a great young lady that is doing some amazing things. And we're going to talk about those amazing things in just a minute. But I just want to say thank you for allowing us your time uh, Taylor, we're just so grateful for that. Thank you so, oh, so thank much. You. Thank you for having us, Kaylin Tiggs. She's in the house, everybody. Thank you so much. We're happy and we're finally here after a couple of foobobs or whatever. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, she has done so many things. Let's just dive right into it. Uh, Kaylin Tiggs, she says a failure after her name. Says her name, then says a failure. This is in her bio. She said that, my name, a failure. I don't think I've seen anybody ever said that in their bio. That is so powerful, so strong, because she realizes what it took to get to where she is now. And where she is now, folks, ain't the end of the story. It's just another section. It's the beginning of the rest of her life. So with that said, she is the current title. Let me get it right. The current title holder. For Miss Ohio, you get it right, for America. And we just want to say hello, welcome. I have the national title, though, Miss for America. So I went to Las Vegas in March as Miss Ohio and competed against the other 49 states. Won the whole national competition. So I'm Miss for America. And I'm traveling the country and doing interviews with people like you all the way oh. in the Carolinas. Oh my goodness. Uh, it probably ain't many people like me. Let me tell you that right now. But, <laughs> but I will say it, it is an honor for us to have you here. And thank you so much for sharing that. 49 other states, you won the big prize. And yes. it, do they give you a little something like put on your head or wear around or anything? Um, my crap. Okay, they they there's a crown right there, folks. That's not she didn't go to Walgreens or Walmart to buy it. They actually got it and, and they gave it to her. I was on stage in uh in March in Las Vegas at the Westgate Hotel. So after 22 tries, I won the state title, Miss Ohio for America, and then back in March, I won the national title. And so now representing the state of Ohio everywhere I go as I travel across the country and allow my message about women's leadership to be heard. Speaking of your message about women. Now, I know you said earlier and in your bio about, you know, really trying to help black women, but also women in general. You have a a real. A real fight or a real that you want to help women that are incarcerated or those coming out of incarceration to re-enter into society. 
And yep. as a matter of fact, that's how you and I came to meet. Not that we were coming out of incarceration, but <laughs> <laughs> as another lady who actually does this every day of her life. And kudos to her, too. She did a great, great job. And we had her. I, I, I was going to show her book. Well, I'll show it later. But anyway, uh, she 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 talks about stones. But anyway, in that, it talks about women that are when they come out of incarceration, people don't see them as women with 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 uh, skills, women that are, are have things to contribute to the society. All they see yeah. is an ex-con. Get out of here. We don't want nothing to do with you. When in fact, they have a lot to contribute to society. And you're fighting for that, as I understand. Or some of that. You got some other fight too. Yeah, there's a there's an aspect of that. So basically, I had a conversation through Heidi Arnold, the woman that you're talking yeah. about right Heidi. now. Hey Heidi. <laughs> I hey, had a conversation yeah, with Heidi because I wanted to know what women's leadership looked like upon re-entry. So we know that the very aspect of incarceration is to be confined. You're no longer in charge of your body. You're no longer in charge of your life. And so I wanted to know what that did to your esteem, what that looked like for your life goals. And I had a conversation with about 20 women who were in reentry and who had previously been incarcerated here in the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. And they were talking to me about their experiences while being incarcerated. And one thing that stuck with me was the fact that they were being denied proper health care and wow. having their hygiene products denied mm -hmm. while in prison mm -hmm. and the things that did to them and the ways that that exacerbated the negative experiences that they were already having being mm. incarcerated, but wow. what it did to their womanhood mm. and how it damaged them even today being in reentry mm -hmm. and how it traumatized them and worsened aspects of their mental health. So what you were describing before, definitely. And in my opinion, it is that stigmatization mm -hmm. of those who are incarcerated that allows for their maltreatment, both while they're in there and then upon release. And mm -hmm. so my entire goal is to not only bring awareness to the fact that women who are incarcerated are not provided with the best care, but mm -hmm. also to restore their humanity Amen. in yep. the process, to allow people to see that the very act of incarcerating someone is the punishment. A lot of people believe that upon incarceration, they're there to be punished. Yep. No. The act of taking someone away from their home, from mm -hmm. their children, from their family and friends, and putting them in a cell, that is the punishment. Yeah. However, because we stigmatize these individuals as criminals, we validate their maltreatment and mm -hmm. we allow for their for them to be treated a certain way once they're in there. However, this is a violation of human rights and it's a violation of civil rights. It's unconstitutional mm. to deny people of their basic needs. If you're going to care for people, right? Mm -hmm. For example, when, when people are incarcerated, they're automatically reduced to a poverty status and they're reduced to a childlike state. Okay. where they're completely dependent upon this facility for all of their basic needs. 
So if you have a child, right, you tell a child what to do, where to eat, how to eat, how much to eat, where Mm -hmm. they're going to get dressed, when to shower, when they're going to go to bed. It's the same thing with incarcerated individuals. They're reduced to a childlike state. Now, Mm -hmm. if you don't feed a child, you don't clothe a child, you don't give a child what they need, we would call that abuse. Yep, we would. We call that neglect. Mm -hmm. So why is it when we lock up individuals whom we are who are completely dependent upon us, we don't right. call that neglect. We don't call that maltreatment when wow. we don't give them what they need. Come on, man. It's so, so true. So here it is. We have millions of people who are incarcerated who are having their human rights violated, but because of what I like to call colonial mentality, right? Like we have this widespread ideology that those who are incarcerated are there to be punished. Mm. And because of that, if they don't get fed or if they don't get health care or whatever, that that's part of their punishment. No, them being incarcerated is the punishment. Wow. And it stops there. But when you take away someone and you lock them up, it then becomes your responsibility to take care of them. So if not, you are now abusing and neglecting them. Mm-hmm. And my goal in this is to center the voices of the women who have experienced this because there's no policies and there's nothing put in place to govern women's hygiene and women's healthcare in any corrections facility at any level, local, state, federal. So it's just now starting to get the attention that it needs. However, we've had millions of women that have had to go through this trauma and go through these experiences in the absence of policy and legislation. So Mm -hmm. I have a team around me that's working to get legislation here in the state of Ohio, but I'm also bringing awareness to this issue by helping people to understand that these are human beings Mm -hmm. and restoring the humanity by centering the women in this. So you hear their stories, you hear about what they're going through. It helps you to see that these are real people. So, the one of the ways that this works and this system has been able to perpetuate mm-hmm. is we we shadow this these groups of individuals prisons are usually in the middle of nowhere yeah. and you don't have access to these people you can't talk to them unless they call you right. and so nobody knows what's going on mm-hmm. so it was my goal to put their experiences at the front of this fight so okay. that one the advocates for themselves and get out of that colonized jail mindset and also help other people mm-hmm. to, to see these experiences in, or to see these women and hear their experiences because they don't get the chance to. A lot of people don't realize that this is what's going on right. because people who are incarcerated are often cast it off into a shadow. Yeah, nobody cares about them. You've been locked up, forget about the only thing. Exactly, now, they're often forgotten. Now, here's a, a point that, that I, well, something I'd like to bring out based on what you just said. You said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm letting, bringing the fight to the world, letting everybody know what's going on. Now, here's my question. What kind of resistance have you came into or come into by deciding to do that. I mean, here you got a big crown, everybody's smiling, happy to see you come to town. But part of your talk when you come to town is this. 
Hey, don't forget these women over here. And they said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Now, we, we don't want to hear about that. I mean, we want to hear about, you know, other stuff. Have you ran into resistance for that? Or can you say? Um, so I think the resistance comes in with trying to change that mindset around those who are incarcerated. I spend a lot of time correcting people who are misinformed about, okay. again, what incarceration is and, mm -hmm. the, and the system. So I'm fighting a systemic mindset where okay. people truly believe that those who are in prison mm -hmm. or jail or in any type of corrections facility, one, right. they deserve to be there. Right. And upon being there also means that whatever happens to you happens. They okay. don't fully understand that you have human rights regardless of being an incarcerated status. Okay. And we also don't realize that most of these people are going to be released back right. into society. So this is not just their problem. Mm -hmm. This is all of our problem. Yes, it this is. becomes a public health crisis right. when you have women who don't have their needs being met, right? right? This no leads to a vulnerability to all types of health problems, mental health and physical health problems. Right. And upon release, Right. You have women who are coming back into society and if they have unknown treat uh, like untreated and unknown health conditions, mm, you good. know mm -hmm. how that can exacerbate yes. what's already going on mm -hmm. in the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want to be crass, but that's how you spread diseases. Yep. That ain't okay. crass. So, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how you spread diseases when people yeah. don't know that right. they have something that they're carrying something and yeah. being in a confined space that's unsanitary that mm -hmm. doesn't have policy put in place to maintain sanitary practices you have uh -oh. a ton of that are coming out of this situation okay with most of the times exacerbated health conditions because they're not being treated for example yeah. i had a woman who was incarcerated for 10 years and only saw a doctor once uh -oh. in 10 years is that possible? And I had another oh woman goodness. who told me, you know, she went into prison pregnant and had a miscarriage on, on the prison floor. Okay. Mm, it, and these are happening in the confined spaces of other people. And then also when you, one, pe one thing people don't realize is when you don't have your basic needs met, it creates this kind of desperation where now you have this animalistic instinct oh. to get what you need so right. now women are fighting women are yeah. stealing yeah. women are having to go outside of their character because they're getting their they're not getting their needs met right. and i don't think people are putting themselves in their shoes and so that's one thing i was able to do was as a black woman i realized i'm not too far from being incarcerated being wow. at the wrong place at the wrong time Yo, i could end on. up in a cell yep. easily yep. Yeah, And I thought about if I was in there, justly or unjustly, mm -hmm. what would, how would I feel and what would my experiences be if I wasn't, as a woman, getting my basic hygienic needs Ooh. met? You would revert. And like I was able to relate to these mm -hmm. women as human beings and as a woman. And so when you ask what my barriers are, again, I think it's we strip these individuals of their humanity, not realizing the experiences that some of these women have gone through that even wow. led them 
to incarceration. Now, women are being incarcerated at much higher levels now. And it's mm-hmm. because of things like drug use, abuse, um, right. all right. these other things, right? Mm-hmm. Prostitution, things that we shouldn't even necessarily criminalize, mm-hmm. but actually require rehabilitation. Okay. And um, and we know that the jail and prison environment is not conducive. They're, they actually yeah. create and worsen Right. Some of these issues that women are coming in with. So we talk about pre-existing conditions. Most people who are incarcerated have them. Wow. And we worsen them by denying them of their needs. And I think that it's a systemic problem. So it is. And it's a problem that has always been around. And so not new, not new, Mm -hmm. not nothing new. And so I'm fighting that old school mindset about what incarceration is and what And, and it's very divided. We are segregated in mm-hmm. that we think that there's a specific type of person that gets incarcerated, mm-hmm. not realizing that anybody can be incarcerated yep. for anything at, at any, any time. moment because anybody <laughs> right. can be picked up off the street, accused yep. of a crime. They have to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. They yep. have to have the wrong look, right? Yep. Like you look suspicious <laughs> or you look like, Something oh that we've yeah. been told to pick up, right? Like yeah. people can't conceptualize that right. this can happen to anyone and people at time. all yeah. levels, people what? with millions of dollars mm-hmm. and people with no money I'm and everybody in between gets incarcerated. You know, you, you said a couple of things there that I want to try to dig into because, wow, I mean, you said so much that this is definitely <laughs> not. We can't get it all covered in this little bitty show. We got a little short show. But what we will try to do is dig into some of those things you said. Now, first off, was this when you said, wow, I'm so happy I'm in here. I'm now Miss For America, which at some point we'd like you to explain the difference between Miss For America and Miss America. And, uh, you know, but uh, not that for another time. But for right now, uh, since we're down into this thing that we're talking about, when you won it, was that going to be your platform, a part of your platform is talking about these women that were incarcerated and what you could do to help? So, no. And it's actually sad because I'm ashamed to admit that I'm one of those people that did not realize what was going on in the okay. prison world. So my platform focuses on women's leadership, but okay. an objective of obtaining that goal is to address the issues that are hindering women from right. being able to be positioned into leadership roles okay. and to make tangible right. change. So uh-huh. that is my platform. I want to see more women leaders. I want to see women who are not just at the table, but having their voice utilized, having their okay. opinions used in the decision-making process right. and um, within the processes of things changing at the highest okay. level. And I wanted to know what this looked like amongst some of these sectors of women that are not often heard or talked to. I don't know of any patch women that have ever visited a prison or ever visited a jail or visited an orphanage or whatever. So you see lots of pageant girls in schools um, visiting different organizations and groups. However, there's always a sector of people that are neglected. And I wanted to be sure that as a title holder and as someone who's representing women and representing all women that I reached out to women who were casted off in the different 
shadowed sectors of society. That includes incarcerated women. Right. Now, I did not expect for them to come out and tell me this. Mm-hmm. So I think we would know, and my message here is I think that we would know more about what's going on with our fellow man if we took the initiative to go and talk to people. Absolutely. So, and that is part of the reason why centering their voices in this fight, right? Because who am I? I've never been incarcerated. Right, right. I can't speak on this issue, but they can. Right. So, so my job becomes the liaison between them. Okay. So then this wasn't something when you wanted that it was going to be something you did. No. This had to be brought to you. And yeah. uh, Heidi was one of the ones that brought this to you. I'm assuming that yeah. somebody introduced you to Heidi. And uh, for those that who don't know y'all, we're talking about Heidi Arnold. This is her book right here. If y'all can't see it, need to go to Amazon and get it. And it's called Belly Full of Stones, a collection of voices after incarceration. That's our good friend, Heidi Arnold. So I just want to give her a shout out. There you go, Heidi. But anyway, uh, so you were introduced to that. So now that you have that, and that's part of your platform, is you're going around the country speaking and you bring that out. So what we need is laws changed in order for that to happen so that women can get the things that they need while incarcerated as well as after being, well, you've been talking mostly about incarcerated, but after being incarcerated, now they're cast off because when you, they go get a job on that little application. Have you ever been (laughs) locked up and you can't say, well, no, not really. Well, let me, let me check. They can check. They know. Yep. So you can't lie. So that makes it hard to get a job. So we need people like Heidi and other folks that's working with those women and like you that help them to have that to have that confidence that they can be and do whatever it is they want to do. They can go 22 times or 21, 21 times right. to, reach, to reach their goal in life and just never give up. Because we're just saying winners, uh, quitters never win and winners never quit. Uh, Something like that, you know. And so that's how you got to do it. You got to be like our guest, uh, Caitlin, is today. So and uh, we we, we just have a little bit of time. So we don't want to run too far out. But, man, this has been exciting. You're telling us some good stuff. Thank uh, you. And not to run right by it, you know, because I want to just say. Thank you so, so much for, for what you do. But now, does it make it hard for your platform once this is in it and it is in it? Does it make it hard for the other stuff that's on your platform? Or have you found a way? You said you got people around you that's helping you. And uh, so yeah. I'm sure they're probably saying, okay, now, girl, you know, you can't say that. Uh, girl, you know, you got to do this. You got to do that. And, of course, you the girl that's in charge say what you want but (laughs) but anyway but you have important people around you so does that make your platform bigger smaller you know uh, uh, how's that work yeah so in my opinion there's no topic that's off limit because there's no topic that doesn't affect women and so i'm serious if you look and this is the issue we don't talk to people to figure out that Anytime we talk, have discussions about healthcare, politics, economics, education, mm-hmm. violence in our communities, 
if you look at the stories and listen to the stories, they affect women so drastically. Wow. When you if, when you know, especially in Ohio, that black women, right, the infant mortality rate is highest among black women. When we talk about mm-hmm. health care mm-hmm. and we talk about women being incarcerated. Okay. We know that black women are leading right in incarceration rates and women are leading in Ohio, the infant mortality rate, the black women are leading in the infant mortality rate. So when we talk about healthcare, we can't neglect women. Right. And those, Mm -hmm. when we talk about politics, we talk about how the face of politics has traditionally been very male oriented. Right. And so when we Mm -hmm. have, a woman who wants to run for a political seat, we always have to overcome that barrier of is her being a woman mm-hmm. going to interfere with her ability to run the, the run whatever seat no that doubt. she is applying for? We always have to come over that barrier of what it means to be a woman. And we do mm-hmm. this in all sectors of society. So me working with incarcerated women and helping them to realize that they already have everything inside of them to be the leaders that they want to be is not hurting my platform. It only expands it. It has expanded my perception of what leadership looks like, because when we talk about barriers to leadership, we know that mental health Mm -hmm. and self-esteem and confidence, right. Is, is foundational in that. And when you are incarcerated, we know that there are aspects of incarceration that hinder that confidence and that impede that self-esteem. So how can women ever be leaders if they have this experience that's hindering them and these experiences linger upon release? So you Uh paid your debt to society, but now, like you said, they mm-hmm. can't get jobs as easily. They're being mm-hmm. denied housing and not being able to do education. They're constantly be, constantly being reminded of their past and mm-hmm. that status that they hold. And surprisingly, women have adopted that mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. They call themselves felons. And every time they do it, I'm like, well, you're not a felon. Yep. You're yep. a human being who made a mistake and yep. you paid your debt to society. You're just you. Yep. Or they'll say, people like me, thanks for helping people like me. <laughs> Who, you mean? That mentality, no doubt. That's right. But so that's what I, when I, when we talk about that colonial mentality. That's part right? of it. Yeah. Colonized, they, they have a colonized mental state because upon incarceration, it's a whole other world right. that I can't even fully conceptualize because I've never been to prison. Right. So listening to their stories, they have to assimilate to a whole new culture to survive that mm-hmm. environment. Ooh. So now they're meant to be colonized and they have to re-enter into yep. society and function, but their whole mental state has been reoriented. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. so that affects their confidence and their self-esteem and their ability to see themselves as more. And mm-hmm. my whole entire platform focuses on helping women to view themselves from a leadership position Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if you don't even if you see yourself as a felon. That's right. That's right. Man, that's good stuff. I mean, you you I mean, you got the makings of a good book here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, you you can run for something, you know, whatever. But I we like oh, it. Gosh. And, and I tell you something else too, that between and just moving, just kind of keep it moving, you know, you yourself 
even with all those 22, 21 failures, you still were going on because you had right state guardian, you know, that you were going to in the same time getting that done. And uh, while you were doing that, you also had the, the uh, what was the laboratory scientist for the Naval? Uh, now, now, yes, now, was contracted with the Navy. Now, it is crazy. It was not crazy. It was something I thought. When I looked at that, I said, wait a minute. Naval Medical Assistant. Now, Naval. She's in... Naval Medical... So, it's the Naval Medical Research Unit at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base here in Dayton. Okay. And I'm a, a scientist contracted with the Navy okay. at the Naval Medical Research Unit. Navy. When you think Navy, you think water. There cannot be any water in Dayton, Ohio. Not enough for people to have a big boat. <laughs> And so it just blew me away when I read that. I said, Naval? I said, well, how has they got a Navy over there? But it's on, <laughs> you just answered it. It's an Air Force base. And part it's a of base, that, and we have a Navy command in their little yeah. teeny tiny command with only about 200 <laughs> boats. And we do research for Navy pilots okay. specifically. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just said something also that you are a scientist. So, in other words, when you were in school, math and you know was one of your favorite or one of your good subjects. No, so, not really. Oh, oh, well, help us, help us out. What was your best I subject? Math. Okay, so how did you become a scientist? How did that happen? Uh, so, my ultimate goal is to have a PhD in clinical neuropsychology and study traumatic brain injury. So in order to do that, right? Like I I envision myself as a, as a scholar, a practitioner and an advocate. So in order to be a medical provider, so a neuropsychologist is someone who is studying the brain after some type of illness or injury. Okay. So in order to do that, I have to also be aware of, right, like what kind of developments Mm -hmm. in the brain world are occurring. (laughs) So that requires research. Any good, uh, any good practitioner, any good medical provider should also be updated on the research that is surrounding their field or specialization. Uh So I want to do my own research and also um, provide, right, for mm-hmm. uh, for the people that I'll be treating. So I'll be a oh, okay. practitioner, I'll be a medical provider, but I also will be a scientist. Oh, my goodness. And a PhD and all that. Okay. Well, you, yes. okay, well, you're not talking about my brain today, so let's just keep it moving. So <laughs> what, we will do, what we will do is that, but we are so grateful now, but... We also like to ask each guest that comes on the show uh, a couple of questions because we like to see a little bit about that person. And the way we do that is we ask some questions that kind of pulls the cover back just a little bit so we can actually see a little bit about you. And one of those is uh, reading. And obviously, you're a reader with all that stuff you do. you got to be a reader. So, <laughs> So one of the things is we like to ask, what book? Have you read recently that had the biggest impact on you and why? Got it. So every book that I read has an impact on me, even if it's just expanding my mindset. So I look at reading as 
an opportunity to get into somebody else's head and and somebody else's perspective of the world. So it just adds to my current perception of life. Um, So every book changes me in a way where sometimes I'm completely inspired and other times I'm like, this is just new information that when it's time to use it, it'll be there and I can pull Mm -hmm. it out of my mental Rolodex. However, right now I'm reading The Death of Innocence. It's the story of the death of Emmett Till Mm -hmm. from the perspective of his mother. Right. And I was inspired by this book because we hear about Emmett Till and we feel bad about the fact that he's a 14-year-old boy, a 14-year-old black boy that's killed and and we know that he his death sparked the civil rights movement, right? Yep, it did. But mm-hmm. we don't know the story of his mother. Bing, and go. we don't hear about what she went through. Now, we know that she had the open casket funeral that changed the world. Yeah. However, she details the emotion of raising her mm-hmm. only child right. and having to lose him and gather the strength mm-hmm. to be able to show his completely defamed body to right. the entire world. We mm. don't get that perception. So mm. part of my you know, goal in life is to center the voices of people using whatever influence that I have is like you uh, to build a platform mm. for people to tell their stories. Mm-hmm. So this book was an opportunity for me to learn more about what happened mm-hmm. and why this was so powerful. So it's sad because it's a child that was murdered innocently, mm-hmm. but it's also tragic because he leaves behind an entire family and mm-hmm. his mother yeah. and what she went through and talking about what it was like growing up as a young black woman in the South. We don't ever get to collect those stories. Mm. Well, right. Like, we yeah. hear about what the men go through and the foot soldiers of the civil rights movement and how it was led by men. But we don't know about the women who were behind these men mm. and who helped organize at a grassroots level and and who sacrificed mm-hmm. and yep. how that affected their womanhood. So that's what this is. This That's what this is talking about. Well, tell us the name of it, the author and name of the book it's, again. It's called The Death of Innocence. The story of the hate crime that changed America by Mammy Till Mobley. And it's wow. more of like an uh, autobiography. Right. So it's, she talks about the death of her, you know, her son, yeah, her but son. she also talks about her her life and growing right. up in the South and right what it was like raising a boy at you know 19 years old and the abuse that she suffered wow. and all these other things that we don't hear about. That is amazing. So collecting okay. stories of women is just something that I like to do because it expands my womanhood and it allows me to be grateful that I okay. get to stand on the shoulders of women like this, whom I'll never know, whom I'll never be able to meet, but sacrifice so much. And so when I when, when we talk about 22 pageants, I mean, I couldn't imagine losing my only child right. and having live every day without them Not even so close. Mm-hmm. we talk about failure mm-hmm. i can only imagine how she probably felt mm-hmm. as a mother right. sending her child off you know mm. to stay with family and having to deal with the emotions of not being able to protect her only child wow. so it's a message to me about when we want to give up 
when mm-hmm. we want to give in. Mm-hmm. We are standing on the shoulders of people who couldn't even step outside. And in my opinion, there's no excuse right. to give up. <laughs> well, that is so, so powerful. And we got the book. She showed it to us twice now. And so everybody go and they look online. We'll have it in our social media talking all about it. And uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're getting close with Kylie. Man, this has been so much fun. Oh, we're, we're going to come back. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to ask one more question, though, because it's really, really important. We got some others, but I'm going to end with this one right here uh, that I just, I love. I love, I love, I love. <laughs> I love your answer. That's what I love. And, uh, and and this one, we're, we're going to kind of, we got we to go through it pretty fast. And that is, what is it about you? What is it about you? <laughs> I love it. All right. Kayla, Tiggs, get that yes. right. What is it about <laughs> you that peop- that surprises people when they find out about you? What is it? Oh, gosh. So it was very <laughs> difficult. You know, he sent me this question to think about it. I think there's lots of things that surprise people. I'm actually very nerdy. Um, I'm actually kind of a tomboy. I don't ever comb my hair. Oh, I go to work and pull my hair like back in a ponytail and I'm in T-shirts and things all the time. And so I think when people see me on the Internet, they see the glamorous side of me and they see the put together side of me. Mm -hmm. However, people don't realize that I am a normal, (laughs) regular person with a regular job. Well, my job's probably not that regular, but (laughs) I have a, I have a job. I work every day. I'm in the public every day. I don't Mm -hmm. sit upon some pedestal, you know, as (laughs) it's for America, like a lot of people think. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't have this special throne. I'm right. working in my community. I go to work every day. I want to be the type of person that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I love sports. I love <laughs> action figures and oh all of the nerdy, weird things. People, I love science. I love reading. I'm a regular person. I think people think of me in some type of extraordinary way because I yeah. do a lot of things at one time. However, I, I get exhausted. I have mm-hmm. breakdowns. I have to reorient <laughs> myself sometimes. Yeah. And I'm just a regular, normal person. So I say that to say that if you have a goal and you have things you want to do, you don't have to be a special kind of person to do it. You right. can do it as you are. You can do it as yourself. You're enough. You know, you just yeah. have to see yourself in these different positions. And well, you can be a pageant queen and a scientist and a nerd yeah. and a you can be yourself and a yes. mother. I don't yes. have any children, but you can be all these things at one time. So I think people, I mean, even like you, Michael, like you're like, oh my God, you're doing so many amazing things. Not really. <laughs> I just See that I'm going to be 30 and I have lots of things that I want to do and I just go for it. She and they just all happen y'all. to happen at the same time. Yeah, 22. She ain't about to be 30. It's 22. But anyway. She's, uh, but she's right. But what I will say, I did not, on the pictures and the research and things that I did on you, it didn't have anything on there about being a nerdy, 
tomboy. Nowhere yeah. did I see that except for in your bio that you sent me. I mean, a tomboy T-shirt, you know, nerdy, love and laugh, have fun. None of that was in the stuff online, uh, which was, which was. <laughs> but now one thing before we close. I saw on you, I, th I think it's a website you put in together. It's called Clothed, Clothed in Strength Production. Did I get that right? Clothed in Strength Production. No, I've done so many interviews. I don't even know anymore. Okay. All right. But anyway, <laughs> well, it, 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 it's the thing. Don't forget that part. This is the part. In that website, the thing that's in the background is you bending over with your face in your hand. Like, you know, obviously you just won something. I mean, you were just oh, bent over. You're talking about my... So that was the picture from when I... Won my first pageant after 22 pageants. Yes. After, when I won Miss Ohio. You were down. Your face was in your hand. And somebody captured that. And they put this on this website. And it's called Clothed in Strength I need to look it up. Oh, my goodness. Yes. It's on there. And, and the background of that is you with your face down. And I saw it. <laughs> I said, now that is powerful. That's powerful. That's saying never, ever, never, ever give up. Is possible. It is possible. And so when I saw that and I'm like, wow, you know, it's possible. But what is not possible is to stretch this interview out <laughs> to any longer. We got to get ready to close it. So, but I tell you what, we will. Let's, let's, would you please come back and be on Extreme Carolina again? Because I got so many other questions I need to ask. Would you yes, come back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, y'all heard it, y'all. We got it on tape. She said she'd be back. So <laughs> we, we got it. So, but we got to get out of here. The clock is ticking. We just want to thank you so, so much. I, I just can't say thank you enough, you know, uh, Kayla, for being here today. Thank you. And giving us your precious time, which is just like her. I mean, you just like anybody else. And I love it, even though you've done something like that's anybody else. Yeah, you just like momentous. You just like the rest of us, and I like that. You're not, you don't have those airs you're putting on. I love that. So that is fantastic. So thank, thank you. you. We got to get ready to get out of here, though. To, uh, so what we'll do is that uh, we'll we'll get back with you on a date. But now we got to get out of here. So thank you. Thank you for being here with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so and, much. And uh, we're going to do this. We're going to let folks know. Well, folks, Extreme Carolina, we are committed to our listeners to bring you leaders and newsmakers like Kaylin here that are passionate and purpose-driven to making a difference by listening to their stories Extreme Carolina listeners will have an opportunity to refuel, reconnect, and get inspired by unlocking the power of the people. So we just want to thank her once again. And before we go, we got a quote of the day, a positive quote that we always like to say. And this is a good one. I like it. Success is never on discount. Greatness is never on sale. Greatness is never half off. It's all or nothing. It's all day, every day. Greatness is never on discount. <laughs> Folks, really? thank, you. thank you so much. We appreciate everybody being here. God bless everybody. We love you. Y'all take care. Have a blessed day. 